We're live. We're gonna do. We have a, a a little bit of an unscheduled uh, an unscheduled podcast going on. So uh, we're going to continue on soteriology with the second episode. Uh, comment line is open, and as far as I know, if you comment on Facebook, it may come across. It may not. But uh, here we go. bit of a hiccup there i didn't push the clutch in all the way uh, <laughs> how's brother austin doing today i'm fantastic man i was, it was a good father's day i got to celebrate my first father's day yesterday and it is a blessing man i hope you had a good father's day sure did i sure did i'm uh, a blessed man god's been way better than me than i deserve so uh i said the comment line is open and, that, and that's true i don't know why uh, some comments don't come across and some do. We were talking about this the other day with the laborers. Uh, if you're commenting in real time and I'm not answering it or showing it is because it is not coming across. And I want to apologize for that. Uh, we began talking about soteriology uh, last week in our just and in, in talking about justification. And uh, what I think we want to do, I say I think we want to do because that's exactly what I mean, is we want to contrast justification with sanctification this week and then i would like to talk about faith in the next podcast and and start dicing back and forth you get what i'm saying brother austin mm-hmm. so Absolutely. that people can people can see the difference there is a difference between sanctification and justification i'm going to uh let brother austin sort of explain a little bit then i'm going to i'm going to read some scripture and he's going to read some scripture, and we're going to get out of out of the Lord's way. Well, I think we need to first identify sanctification and tell what the difference is between sanctification and justification. Too many times we get these mixed up. You hear people say stuff like, um, well, let me get some stuff together and let me work on some stuff, and, and then I'll come to God. But God wants you to come to him as you are but he don't want you to stay that way. Once once you come to him and you are made right with him through Christ, which is the only way, it's not Jesus plus something makes you right with God. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's Jesus. That is how you're made right with God. Jesus plus the blood. That's it. <laughs> and so sanctification, therefore, is subsequent to justification in saying that it is the, um, as, you, as you read in scripture where it says, um, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. I think that's in Romans, Romans eight twenty nine, um, and so it, it's it's totally different than justification. And I, I'm sure uh, Big John feels this way when he gets up and preaches sermons. Sometimes, for some reason, on this topic specifically, I had that just uh, almost sick feeling in my stomach because it just I feel like there's a weightiness here for our uh, group of uh, people that we're connected to in our local body because this is something that's so heavily talked about and I don't want to do it in injustice as to uh, lead anyone astray in, in the definition of what this is about. And so uh, I think Thayer's 
Greek lexicon uh, has this to say about this, uh, the Greek, let me back up, the Greek word for uh, sanctification, which is the verb, is uh, hagiadzo, which is to make holy, consecrate, and sanctify. And Thayer's Greek lexicon says, to separate from things profane and dedicate to God, to consecrate, and so render inviolable. Inviolable meaning secure from violation or profanation, according to Merriam-Webster. So uh, that's that's just really a quick definition of what sanctification is in terms of uh, uh, grammatically what that definition is. So there's there's a word that also means separate. Almost it might mean exactly the same thing over and over and over again. And we we refer to it constantly in our denomination and our movement. It's called holiness. The word holy means to separate, to sanctify, to separate, to to, uh, to to less common or not common. Uh, one of the things that that I'm, I'm like Brother Austin, I'm I'm almost nervous handling this conversation is because one of the first times I ever had I ever had people look at me like I was a heretic was on this topic. I was uh, I was speaking at a church and I said the sanctification was substance to a new birth. And all this was wrought in faith in Christ alone. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, what do you mean, what am I talking about? I'm talking about your life after salvation and what it looks like. And and they were they were under the impression somehow or another that their, that their lifestyle, I mean, they wouldn't have said it this way, but this is the way they acted, that their lifestyle somehow or another merited them some manner of salvation. And, and I don't know where they got that idea from, right? I don't I don't know where that came from, but it was it was alive and well in that church. In any case, uh, Romans chapter five says, "Therefore, now I don't know if my Jones girls actually listen to any of these podcasts, but if they do, they need to know. Anytime you see that, I always ask them. When you see a therefore, you ask yourself, what's it there for, right? So." That means that everything leading up to this, you have to accept before you can move forward. For time's sake, we're not going to do that. But therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can't accept verse 2 until you accept verse 1. You can't build on something that's not right. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification is rendered in what we talked about this last time is a work of faith, which is why one of the future videos we're going to talk about is going to be about faith and what faith looks like and what faith don't look like. But so through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into his this grace in which we stand, we exult in hope of our of, of the glory of, our, of God. And not only this. But we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that the tribulation brings about perseverance. And the perseverance brings proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope that does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Understand that the hope, the perseverance, the 
the proven character, all these things are things that are built off of justification, built off of a right relationship with Christ. If you get that horse and buggy out of order, that dog won't hunt. That's just all there are to it. You you can't you can't get that out of order. If you think somehow or another your proven character guarantees you justification, you see how crazy that sounds, Brother Austin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So take us from there to the most commonly used scripture, I suppose, to describe how we ought to be living. Well, to first uh, add on to what you just said. Martin Luther said, good works do not make a good man, but a good man does good works, right? And so another thing I want to add to Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon says, sanctification grows out of faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, holiness is a flower, not a root. It is not sanctification that saves, but salvation that sanctifies. I just want to add that in there. That's good stuff. First Peter, starting at verse 13, and we're going to read this a little portion of scripture because it's probably i dare say and tell me if i'm wrong uh john but it's probably one of the most uh talked about passages when it comes to sanctification in the new testament in sermons and (laughs) things things of that nature yeah not Uh, even not even in a little bit i mean not even by a little bit you know like a long way um starting at verse 13 uh First Peter chapter one, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy, which is found in Leviticus. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of grass, grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the lord remains forever and this word is the good news that was preached to you that is uh, verse 25 to where it ends it's awesome so if you were to take and wrap that up into a practical remember these these podcasts are for practical guidance they're also for reproof where we're doing wrong and for uh correction if you were to wrap that up into a practical everyday english that was that didn't diminish it at all. What does that look like? I think you definitely have to look at it <clears throat> expositionally a little bit because we like to pick and choose one verse for the entire paragraph. And, and I think there's a lot in here that's used. We like to say, be holy for I'm holy, but then we don't look at some of these other other things that are being said. There's a lot talk talk about uh, about Jesus, about the spotless 
without blemish lamb of God, you know, as we've just talked about with, you know, it, it says, uh, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. I mean, obviously, so first of all, you can't do this without Christ. I mean, we, we got to establish that. I mean, there's no way you can, it's, again, as I said, it's not Christ plus anything. I mean, it's Christ for, for this justification and even sanctification. Christ is the one who, Christ is the one who empowers us to, to be more like him or the Holy Spirit, which, you know, God, the father, God, son, God, the Holy Spirit. So either way you look at that. So, um, I think, I think sometimes we get it wrong as to how we have viewed sanctification because if anyone has been around, I, um, I say our camp a lot, but if anybody's been around, you know, the holiness movements, the Pentecostal movements for any length of time, sometimes I believe that we have, we have misunderstood maybe what John Wesley was teaching in, 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 terms of sanctification in, in this perfectionism we, we take it in this literal sense of being perfect and never sinning i don't think that's necessarily what wesley meant when he said that if you go back and look at some of his uh some of his writings i don't know if i have it still pulled up yeah it says and this is this is wesley um wesley's plain account of christian perfection question what is christian perfection answer according to wesley the loving God, the loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul and strength. This implies that no wrong temper, none contrary to love remains in the soul, and that all the thoughts, words, and actions are governed by pure love. Question, do you affirm that this perfection excludes all infirmities, ignorance, and mistake? A answer, I continually affirm quite the contrary and always have done so. Then the question, but how can every thought, word, and work be governed by pure love? and the man be subject at the same time to ignorance and mistake. Answer, I see no contradiction here. A man may be filled with pure love and still be liable to mistake. Indeed, I do not expect to be freed from actual mistakes till this mortal puts on immortality. I believe this to be a natural consequence of the soul's dwelling in flesh and blood, for we cannot now think at all but by the meditation of those bodily organs, which have suffered equally with the rest of our frame. And hence, we cannot avoid sometimes thinking wrong till this corruptible shall put on incorruption. So to, to look at that and, and say, look at the, the holiness movement and the Pentecostal movement mm -hmm. out of John Wesley and the Wesley brothers, Charles Wesley. I think that we have maybe mistaken what he was trying to teach. It, it's more of a trying to be perfected in love while also realizing we're not perfect until this corruption puts on incorrupt or this this you know what i'm saying i always yeah mess first, up first corinthians 15 <laughs> i always mess up the way i say that but um i think we definitely have to uh realize that there's still mistakes that we're going to make and and there there isn't this perfection of well you know i i'm holy because it's what i wear and it's how i act and i'm just yeah. perfect all the time i've heard people say there's days i don't sin i'll say well Thank you know, praise the Lord. I mean, I, I, I wish to attain that, what you attain, you know, I wish I could yeah. be that, that, that good. And, you know, I, but you go ahead. I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm going to, I want you to kind of use some of the, 
So when we take scriptures that say, take every every thought captive, right? Mm -hmm. So the assumption I'm gathering from Wesley is that that's the goal, but that's not possible. Is that, what so. you, is that what you're gathering I, from? I it? think so. I, I think I think it's it's this trying to be perfected in in love. It, it's it's I think it, I think it's in line with what we see in Romans, where it says, "Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that mm-hmm. we may know God's will for us, which is good, pleasing, and perfect." I, I think it's a mindset that He's trying to get people to that be holy as I'm holy. Try to attain that within your mind, but realize we're still in the flesh, and there's still mistakes that are going to be made because we're we're not we haven't reached uh, that final you know place of with Christ in heaven. You know, so if again practical application, right? So let's look at it. When you take scriptures that say take every idle thought captive, and 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 we have been given uh, a sound mind by the power of God through, through the working of the Holy Spirit. I know that's not a direct quote. That's more of a, a, a paraphrase of John and some of Paul's writings. In any case, uh, be that as they, as they may. And then you take things like Paul would even say that uh, sins that he he's committed in ignorance. It's King James Version that puts that. And then you see Wesley saying that there will be mistakes made, right? So when I see this, I think part of me wants to part of me wants to be a little bit harsher than what I think I should be, if I'm being fair. Right. I think part of me wants to be more calculated and almost anatomical about it when I say it like this. Uh, what if the Lord bringing things consciously to your mind as mistakes, whenever that thought gets brought up is whenever you you cease. Is that the same thing? as taking every thought kept, for instance. I think that if we were honest with one another, we would agree that the majority of the battlefield that we wage in our lives is between our ears, mm-hmm. right? So uh, there's times that you may be angry or think a, a terrible thought about someone and you have to say, Ugh. and it's, it's in that moment that you grit your teeth and you say, man, I shouldn't have thought that. But the thoughts already happened. Right. The the True. the proverbial sin has already taken place in the fact that you thought that. And and I can speak to, I can speak for me because, you know, it's, who else will, I suppose. There's been times that I have thought something that I think is so wicked. I think, why would I even why would that even come to my mind? Right. In those moments, I I want to. I'm being real with you. This is you know, like nobody's listening. I want to doubt my salvation in those moments, Austin. I want to think there's no way that a man living for the Lord would would think such a terrible thought in this moment. And then I'm reminded that I'm also human and that I'm in that I'm in need of a savior, that I'm in need of the Lord because I'm dumb and I'm so frail and I'm afraid that if we're not careful in our one, and I just say it in our arrogance, in our, our our boastfulness, we don't tell people that we're struggling the way that we're struggling sometimes, because we don't want them to think less of us or whatever. Two, that we take on some kind of a 
uh, a more black and white anatomical this is this this is wrong this is right this is wrong therefore everybody in this is sin and on their way to hell and everybody in this is, is on their way to heaven and and it becomes this thing where you can't ever mess up you can't never slip you can't never fall and when you do you're so ashamed that you wouldn't admit to it right is that fair now i wasn't raised in the church of god right i mean full disclosure right first generation pentecostal here uh I had family members who were Pentecostal, but my my immediate family was not. So there's a lot of traditions that you're talking about. I got no clue about. I hear about them. I hear guys like you say them. I hear the uh, elders talk about things uh, that I think sound just ridiculous, you know. But there are teachings that were you were brought up in, and because they weren't as rooted in Scripture as they wanted to believe they were, they've since been abandoned. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. So here's one of the things that I want to I want to counterweight that with something though. The knee-jerk reaction, I believe, is to take a dogma like the the holiness movement can be at times mm-hmm. and make it so stringent, make it so uh right this way or no way, that the knee-jerk reaction is to make everything, everything else okay. Right. And. And and I'm going to read first Corinthians chapter six in a second. I'm going to read it now. This is not a very long chapter. Let me pull over here a second. Now, one might would think this shouldn't be used in terms of sanctification because it's clearly going to be talking about a matter of justification. So don't misunderstand what I'm about to read for proof of anything other than justification first, sanctification later, okay? Does any of you who has a complaint against someone dare go to the law before the unrighteous? And uh, let's see, does any of you have a complaint against someone dare go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world, and the world is judged by you. Are you unworthy to judge the smallest cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? Do not speak of things pertaining to this life. So if if you have cases pertaining to this life, do you select those who have no standing in the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is not one wise person among you who will be able to our our arbitrate between his brothers instead brother goes against brother and that before unbelievers now he's talking about dealing with matters inside the church with the world right right <clears throat> letting the world be the ones who judge inside the church and how silly that is therefore it is already total defeat for you that you have lawsuits against one another why not rather Put up with injustice. Why not rather be cheated instead acting unjustly and cheat and do this to brothers? Do not do you not know that the unjust will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexuals, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, revilers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. <coughs> Now, what he's talking about here, I think is important that he's he's talking about 
how the world shouldn't be judging the cases inside the church. Right. Right. So he's referring to the world, at least by my understanding here, as those people in this list from six, uh, chapter six and nine and 10. Right. So 11 says, some of you were like this, but you were washed. You were what? Sanctified. You were justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Not to say <clears throat> that their sanctification is what justified them, right? He said, right. you were one of these that was in the world. And because you're one of these that's in the world, you shouldn't be asking people to judge cases inside the church. Right. Now, you can go on. Everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods. But this, uh, but God will do away with both of them. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise up his power. Do you not know that your bodies are the member are members are the members of Christ's? So should I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Do you not know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one with, with, is one in body with her? For it says, the two shall become one flesh. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every sin a person can commit is outside of his body, but the person who is sexually immoral sin against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? <clears throat> you are not your own. I said all of this chapter so that this verse in this context is in proper context. Okay? You are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You're justified by faith, period. Right? right? Christ plus nothing. We've said this piles and piles and piles of time. <clears throat> Therefore, your actions are one that is done because you're not your own person anymore. There's this idea out there. I I think it's John MacArthur says it. it's a lordship salvation or something like that. Am I wrong on that? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm I've sure. heard it. I've heard it. Uh, and, and it sounded so silly the first time I heard it. Why would you have to say that? Why do you have to say that? But there's this idea that somehow Jesus can be your savior, but not your master. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, my answer to that brother Austin is this. I'm going to have to look down to the computer screen so I can see your face is because Christ purchased my sinful hide right. with his own precious blood, I don't get an opportunity to do what this sinful flesh wants to do anymore. Right. I'm to do what I'm commanded to do. Right. And <clears throat> here's where Christianity is going to sound so restrictive to fleshly people. Right. I don't conduct myself in a manner that's sexually immoral because all of a sudden my flesh would be opposed to that. 
well, I'm supposed to say that kind of stuff, am I? Right? No, I, I, it's out of the love that I have for Christ, understanding how far he's forgiven me that I, that I willfully put these things away. Yeah. And it's done by the power of the Holy Spirit that's in me because my flesh couldn't do it couldn't yeah. do it it's something that god wills me to do and empowers me to do but it is still done out of a willfulness because i understand that my sinful heart had to be ransomed by the king of glory so i can't right. i can't uh, i just say that i love god and then treat his sacrifice as something that is just common or normal uh we get into roman uh, uh, hebrews 6 and 4 and that brings all kinds of trouble for some people and, and I'm not, we're not going to get into that as yeah. far as argument and and 10 and 26 I'm not getting that in terms of argument because that leads one to believe in some kind of uh, sinless perfection if, if not tempered yeah. with the rest of scripture but do you understand what i'm saying when i say that we're yeah. not our own people anymore yeah absolutely absolutely and, i mean because second corinthians five seventeen. 17 yeah. i mean that's kind of the way i'm thinking when he was talking about that with uh old things pass away all things sure. become new but at the same time, you got like Romans 13, 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So what does that look like? That's the question. So I'll give you an example of something that I that I think it looks like, and then you cast it down, throw a rock at me, argue with me all you want to, because I trust you. Making a provision for the flesh is getting up and saying, today I do something horrific. Today I lie to my boss man. Today I steal from somebody. Today is the day that I get up and I, I watch pornography until my heart's content or whatever, right? Today is the day that I cheat on my wife. And I and you say, well, that sounds absolutely insane. But no, that's people make provision for things, right? Yeah. How many times before you go on a on a trip, do you sort of figure up what much money it's going to cost you while you're gone? You kind of set a budget aside. You you drive a truck, so when you get up in the morning, you provision for a ten or twelve hour day. Yeah. Uh, right. That's that's normal. You do every other thing that way, right? Uh, another thing, men, women, this is something else. Uh, if you leave yourself a a deceptive way out of answering an honest question you're making you're, you're making provision for sin period period if if you're we, we've, we've said piles of times we weren't going to talk about uh just drunk addicts because everybody's talked about that toward blue in the face of the church of god so we said we we're going to make it a point to talk about the things that seem to be harming the most people and studies show that this is sexual immorality that harms yeah. more people than is harming anybody right now. And it's starting at such a young age and it's yeah. being promoted by so many different areas, right? Right. Your kids right. are being indoctrinated from the time they're weaned until they're, until they're out of school. It's, it's, the point is uh, you need to have all your dealings done in a way so that you can't or not, are not encouraged to, to be deceptive in the manner. Leave your passwords un unlocked or whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. Leave your uh, leave your phones out on the open. Hey, if you can't, if you don't think it's a good idea to have social media, don't have social media. If you yeah. think it's a bad idea to have internet, you don't really have to have internet. If you think it's a bad idea to uh, ride to work with a particular person, either of the same gender or the opposite gender because of the things that you're inclined to do or the trouble that you might get into, ride by yourself. 
don't make the, those are provisions that you can make in for right standing, right? Right. But these don't save you, Austin. Yeah, absolutely. I've thought about this piles of times, piles of times. I should never come to my wife and say, baby, you're welcome. Today, I was faithful to you and didn't sleep with another woman. How stupid yeah. would that sound? Yeah. Wouldn't be married very long, would you? Mm. <laughs> you know, so anyway. I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, again, like, just kind of going back to what we were talking about with um, thinking that we have it all together within ourselves and then we'll flip that on the other side like like you did. You know, 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31 says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who become became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So obviously, like you said, I mean, he... he um, He's the one who justifies us. But, you know, I think about like Paul in, in Romans where he talks about. Um, so, you know, I find it to be was it, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. You know, he talks about these things. But at the same time, God gives us. Uh, there, there's there's these different levels to sanctification. And I know you're going to look at me and say, what are you talking about? But there's these different levels that we're given in scripture of sins, obviously it's black and white. You got weights, you got convictions. And that's, 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 that's the thing because obviously there's black and white things of, of sexual moralities. And like you said, you covered some of those, but you know, people don't look, people don't look at, I think some of these closer things like weights and convictions. We don't think about these things, you know, people just look at, well, I mean, that, Bible don't say not to do that, like social media. Bible don't say not to do social media. Well, of course it didn't. I mean, this was written 2,000 years ago. I mean, so, I mean, obviously it ain't going to say that about social media, but that is where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in to where you have to be in this word, be in prayer, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because if you're, if you have a problem, let's go, okay, since we're on sexual morality, if you have a problem with social media, be, or back at train up you have a problem with pornography and you're on social media and you realize oh this is something i keep struggling with get off of social media yeah okay or if uh you have a problem with that and you're uh staying up late your wife's going to bed you're staying up late and watching uh something on uh tv late at night go to bed with your wife Quit sitting up watching TV in the dark by yourself or playing on the computer. It's, it's these things that we have to realize that may be different for some people. You, you may be able to get on your phone and I have no issue with dealing with these things. And then again, maybe it's a different issue. Maybe it's, um, maybe you had a problem with, with alcohol and I hate to go that way. Maybe yeah. you had a problem with alcohol and maybe, you, but maybe you didn't have a, what's called a um, addictive personality. But say it, it's something that was sinful and say that, you know, you're having an occasional drink here and there and something like that. And you realize this is something that's becoming an issue. Quit doing it. I mean, so it's just one of those things you have to listen to these weights, see what, figure out what these weights are in your life so that you, you can run this race with endurance. You got to figure out what these convictions are that God's placed in your life 
to to make these make sanctification practical to say to myself how can i be a better christian how can i be a better how can i be more conformed to this image of god in my own personal life and and i think there's so many practical things that we can do to to quit here's here's what's funny i'll tell you this and this is going to sound completely off the wall i love music love music with all my heart i love it i love every form of music one of my favorite bands is toto i mean there's an album of toto right here on the wall yeah the but, only person i know that would make that statement by the way. <laughs> i know i told a guy one time i said i love toto he said what so anyway it's neither here nor there but here's the thing i used to listen to what's classified as secular music uh so much that it became an idol in my life and more and more i began to be, feel convicted about uh secular music now you know it, it used to take me back to a place in my life that was um it used to take me to a time when i was younger when i would um be in a certain place and be doing certain things nothing sinful but you know then you read scriptures like uh, don't long for the good old days because this isn't wise. That's in, I think, Ecclesiastes or Proverbs. One of the other. So, uh, Solomon said it. Sound like and Solomon. So I was reading The Way to Glory by C.S. Lewis. And one of the things he said is with music and books, it's a sense of nostalgia that we get from these things that prove the existence of God and the eternity that's planted in our hearts because it's not that we long for maybe. The, is, the, this nostalgia is is proving that um, there's there's eternity and we're longing for something else. And so, for me, to it opened up my heart to realize that I was making an idol, and I was, you know, where where God was pulling me this direction, I was allowing myself to get distracted and idolize these things going this direction because I was longing for something and longing for the good old days in a sense, but I didn't realize it. And so I've realized I've had to put down secular music. Now, is that to say that I don't listen to occasional song here and there? No, but I try to do my best and I'm still working on it, trying to do away with those things and, and place time with scripture and prayer and those types of things. I say all that to say this, some of the things that maybe God asks you to do might sound foolish and you might think, that makes no sense. Why would I quit listening to something that's completely fine? It's it's fine within itself. Or why would I quit watching something that's fine within itself? And maybe it's not. But if God asks you to do something, and and He asks you to follow a conviction or lay down a weight, it's not maybe that the thing within itself is bad, but it may be bad for you because you, you hear that passage of scripture. I think it's in James where it says. Uh, those who know to do good and don't do it is sin. And we always yeah. think of the obvious thing of, well, those who know not to lie and they lie. I mean, it's a sin. But those who know to do good, whatever that good is that God asks you to do, if it's if you know that it is good for you to stay off social media, but yet you stay on social media, then I think you're sinning. I, I think that that's what that means. If if God asks me. And I, again, I am being as transparent as possible right now, probably to a fault. If God asked me to maybe stay away from some of that secular music, that again, that's not bad in, in, within and of itself. And I just continue on and, and 
bulldoze right past it and don't listen to even maybe if it's not an all the time thing, maybe it's a, Hey, you know, you're kind of doing that a little too much. I want you to spend time with me. And I say, I think I'm going to listen a little bit longer then I'm sinning. And so I think this is the mindset that we got to have within this process of sanctification in our own lives. And, and everybody has to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But again, working out your salvation with fear and trembling, realizing what is the thing that God is asking me to do of how I can be better conformed to his image and run this race with endurance. Awesome. Uh, fortunately, we've got comments open. You recognize this guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to read the scripture since uh, Jerry's put that up there. Uh, it says in uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 and 27 is what he's got there. It says, to make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. So the work that's being done in us is a work of God, right? Right. We don't, we can't, we can't claim, even if it's personal convictions that we have that cause us to do a certain thing. We really can't bring that up and say, well, this is something that I'm doing. No. Yes, it's something that the Lord is doing in you. We've got to make sure that we honor God in that, right? Because we wouldn't have any inclination of it whatsoever if if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit. So I think we I think we did a pretty solid job making sure that we didn't confuse justification and sanctification. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think so. So I gotta ask you. My view of sanctification is one of progressive sanctification. Now, what is the old school testimony? As far as what goes, you know what I'm talking about. We didn't talk about this before. I'm putting you on the spot. I want to hear it. Oh man! So the 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 saying is, "I've been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost," within our denomination. That's that's what we that's what we've always been told and heard. I've heard it my entire life, and I've heard some folks that I believe would. Well, I that I believe I've heard them say it. They said that. There was a time they came to a place with God where God changed them forever, and they knew that they were, quote-unquote, sanctified from that moment on, right? Yeah. So now, I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to argue that whether or not that's possible or not, because I think that that argument, for one, would fall on deaf ears and would be unfruitful in in this capacity. I do believe in a progressing sanctification, right? Having said that, I think that it is wise to also admit that if God has began this work in us, the Bible says that he'll complete this work in us, right? Mm -hmm. So if we want to trust that God is going to work these things out, then we might even go as far as to call it past tense. So I know from conversations we've had in the past that you also hold to the progressive sanctification view. Right. So I don't I don't necessarily want to spend a pile of time on that view, having no one on here to argue it against it. But for the sake of definition, I think that we would both agree 
that that means we are progressively becoming more and more like Jesus while we're here on earth and only ever being perfected once we go to heaven. Mm -hmm. Right. We got a heart emoji all of a sudden popped up from somewhere or another. Don't even know how that happened. But in any case, the thing that I want to the thing that I want to bring up is something you said right before we came on here that you had notes for. And I don't know what that looks like from any other point of view. You talking about uh, helping our brothers in their sanctification. Can you please touch on that a little bit before we close? As far as as far as uh, entire and progressive, sure you can you can you can talk on it from any point that you want to talk about it on. But there is this there's this there's this theme inside of Western culture that hey you do you and I'll do me mm-hmm. and and we'll do our own thing and so long as you don't get in my way and I don't get in your way we can live together and we can love one another and we can do everything. But that's not what we see taught in Scripture. What we see taught in Scripture is this, we're to be our brother's keeper, right? Yes. We're, to, we're yes. to be accountable to one another, which means that I have to give I have to give you, Austin, the authority to question me. Yep. I have I to you. give you the gravity whenever you ask me a question, something as simple as, hey, man, so uh, I've been studying in Ephesians. Uh, Jerry's got it on my mind now. I've been studying Ephesians this week. What are you <laughs> What are you reading on, right? Yeah, I yeah. should be able to say, "All right, I'm in Galatians. Yeah. Let's get together. Let's talk about God's uh, yeah. God's predeterminate counsel." You know, I don't know. <laughs> we do it. We do it all the time. We do but it all if, the time. If you want me to go with it, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I talked about Martin Luther just a minute ago. Um, what's interesting is, and you got to look at this in a in a you got to look you got you got to look at this in a very specific way. But Martin Luther said, God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does. That's not to say that God doesn't want your good works as if uh, he doesn't ask you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Uh, but it, but it's the fact that uh, God does not need it as if he is not um, satisfied within himself. But what the way I look at it is Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. C.S. Lewis had this idea. Again, I go back to The Weight of Glory. Excellent book. I would absolutely tell anybody to read it. In The Weight of Glory, where he talks about uh, um, attaining this, this glory within our lives, but he said, C.S. Lewis, it may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter. It's hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that of his neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it and the backs of the proud will be broken. That's excellent, excellent, excellent. And um, let's see. Uh, so, so to, to to stop there with with that section, I think we should absolutely hold each other accountable. And, and C.S. Lewis had it right when I think we we absolutely need to pay attention to our own sanctification, but we got to quit this individualism in in a church setting to say that we can't hold each other accountable. We should be able to look at our brother and our brother look at us or sister. Don't don't misunderstand, brother or sister. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Be able yeah, to look at each other and say, um, hey. I, I see you're dealing with this. Let's 
you know, what are you doing? Let's, let's get back on track and as well as us. And we should, we should be able to do it to each other. That's Just right. like C.S. Lewis said, I love that where he said, have your neighbor's glory laid on my back as to keep each other accountable towards um, progressing and sanctification. Now, going, switching a little bit of what you just said into this progressive sanctification versus entire sanctification. One thing we got to remember, second Corinthians five ten says, for we all appear, for we all, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So first Thessalonians five twenty two 24 says, abstain from every form of evil, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who calls you is he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now, one might look at that and say uh, that there is an entirety to that to say uh, sanctify you completely. But when you look at the entire context, says abstain from every form of evil we talked about that with like what wesley said it's 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 to realize that um you know there there are there are mistakes but we need to we need to uh continually progress towards sanctification but to say now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it. Mm. I, str- I struggle. I struggle a little bit because there, there's scriptures that seem to people can use for an entirety and then people can use for progressiveness, such as Second Corinthians 7, 1. Since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Then you also have scriptures like Hebrews 10, 14, for uh, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's, then you uh, go ahead. That's that's, and I think you're hitting on it right there. This this continual progressive, whatever you want to use, this is something that, that this is something. That, I'm sorry, I have people in the kitchen doing all <laughs> kinds of stuff. That's something that's being done. Something that. We is outside of what we're able to do. So you go ahead and finish. Well, this is uh, this is really the only finish I have here that that I believe this this kind of this is where I land on it. First John one eight ten, and this is a progressiveness, and and this is scripture. It says if we have if we say we have no sin, now he's talking to uh, he's talking to believers here. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, George Whitfield, he said, his, this is what he says. So whether you believe in this entire sanctification, progressive sanctification, this is kind of where I land on it. Whitfield says, be content with no degree of sanctification. Be always crying out, Lord, let me know more of myself and of thee. Yeah, I think that, and and you uh, you take yes and do with what you want to. I think it fits in Whitfield's view. The the more that I walk with God, the further I realize I've got to go. 
I think that a man who tells himself that he's already he's already obtained sanctification is a man who's not looking to be more like Jesus anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you have to be careful when it comes to when it comes to what you were talking about earlier, and we were talking about with uh, uh, accountability. I think that's where church discipline needs to be practiced in a way that is both edifying to the church as well as uh, uplifting to, uh, I sound crazy, but uplifting to the believer because there's times that the, uh, the members of the church slip and fall, as we've said, and we need to be able to, to, to come up to them as brothers in Christ and say, hey, my concern is for this. This is what I'm worried about. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. And everything needs, everything needs to be able to be approached that way. And then you need to have the same care that it's like, I'm not here because I like this. I'm not here because I want to have something to talk about later. I'm here because I realize that your soul is valuable. And you, if, if you've made the profession of faith, then you need to stand by that profession. Otherwise, we need to see you at the altar because there's, been, there's something that's not right. Does that make sense? Yeah. But that's not to say that them that their their lifestyle is an initiant of justification, but rather what we're actually saying kind of in a roundabout way is that their sanctification or their lack of sanctification is evidence of no justification. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think um, I think and this this is just this is my final thought on it. I think we need to realize that we need to continue to pursue sanctification. Don't ever feel like you've arrived. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, and again, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to get on here and say I'm not saying anything against anybody or or trying to pick a fight with anybody that's claimed anything about sanctification in the terms that I've always heard it growing up in the Church of God. However, I do want to say I, I'm not sure what they mean by that, and they may be able to give a better definition yeah. to what they mean by it. And um, I, I would respectfully listen to that and, sure. and to their form of what they mean by that. I just think that if we're not careful, we're going to paint the wrong picture for those who are still children or babies in Christ. And even those maybe who's been in a while, we, we're, 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 we need to be careful not to lead anybody astray as to think that there is this perfection that, I, oh, there's days I don't sin. Because yeah. if you if you say that, then you've already fell into the sin of pride as to think that we have some type of perfection that we can wake up, have a perfect day, not do anything wrong because we're in the sinful flesh. And yeah. and every time, just like what Paul said in Romans chapter seven, talking about that every time he goes to do good, evil is present. present me. Yeah. So we, we need to have this mindset again, as Whitfield said, and I'll read it one more time. Be content with no degree of sanctification. I don't know. Again, I, I don't, I'm trying to be very careful because I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't want to get any hate mail or anything. That's okay. We, we're going to get it anyway. This this term this term of save, sanctify, fill with the Holy Ghost. We need to be careful of how we explain that to people because to be to be completely fair and honest, transparent. I don't say that because I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying as if I've reached some platitude that I have not reached because it's not possible. I've been justified with Christ, but until I, until this body is laid in the ground or taken a rapture or, you know, either way, I have not reached this, this 
perfection and that is only done in Christ. And even if I was to think that I did, I would be not, I would not be content with perfection in and of itself because it still wouldn't be enough. Yeah. If I, if I could be perfect in everything just as, but it's the fact that we progress and we strive for perfection because be holy as I'm holy. That is a striving that we should all strive for each and every day to say, Lord, how can I do this right today? And if I don't, first John, if you confess, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, whether that be pride, whether that be a conviction that you're not following through with, whether it be a weight that you're not laying aside, whether it just be a, you just sin and you drop the ball progress towards being conformed in the image of Christ. Amen. Brother Austin, we're going to go ahead and stop it right there. Uh, we're going to come back and continue on soteriology. Next time we're going to talk about faith and uh, we're going to try to have some, some more guests come on. I want to appreciate, I appreciate you. I want to say thank you for, uh, for being available and continuing to study on these topics and, uh, and making and making and pushing me to be better Christian. Right. I think that uh, yeah, whether uh, we don't say these kinds of things a lot on television or whatever this is, but uh, your your friendship and the brotherhood that we have forces me to study and to be and be prepared whenever we get together. And I appreciate that. And it means more to me than you can imagine. And uh, you know what? To God be the glory in it. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's pray and and send it away. Father, I'm so very thankful. I'm so very thankful for the blood that you've shed for us. For the depth that you had to go to save me, Lord, I can't, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough, Lord. Lord, I pray that this message goes out in a way that is received, that is, uh, that is received in, in love, because it was sure given in love. I pray that it, that it helps the church, that it grows wherever it goes, that it sees people made more like you, and that we can take the time that you've given us, be good stewards of it, and make as much of your cross as we can. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.